0: Friday morning, J.M. and the A.M., Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Uh, we will not have a weekly update next week. That'll be Holomoid, but please God, two weeks from today, on October the 1st, we will reconvene. Keep that in your handy weekly update schedule. Mr. Holmline, a Gemar Tov, and welcome back to J.M. in the A.M.
1: Martov, good to be with you. Hopefully everybody feels, was well over the past and uh, feels strong and strengthened by their experience of uh, tshuva and uh, davening.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. I think that uh, we as a collective worldwide community could certainly use a uh, little bit of a uh, spiritual refresher, to say the least. And speaking of the worldwide Jewish community, what was your reaction and what do you know about the planned attack by Syrian terrorists in a shul in Hagen, Germany, yesterday.
1: Well, it's certainly very worrisome. The police acted preemptively, and they did. Um, they had to cancel the planned davening at the shul. But um, you know, it's a small community, and there were four uh, terrorists who were who were captured, and uh, we will find out much more, I'm sure, in the coming days.
0: And this is a reminder that, um, I mean, obviously you've always been emphasizing that we have to secure our synagogues and schools, obviously any noticeable Jewish institution, uh, but for those who sometimes find themselves getting lulled into a sense of security, maybe this will be a reminder that we need to be as diligent as possible.
1: And this is not the only incident. We've had reports of uh, vandalism and other incidents before, uh, Russian and Yom Kippur, which is always uh, when we usually see an uptick tick of some kind. Uh, And uh, in this case, they found out because a young kid, a 16-year-old, said something online, on an online chat, that he was planning an attack on a synagogue. And uh, with that, they detained him and then others uh, who were in the western city of uh, Hagen. um, But we've seen many other uh, incidents uh, planned and, and, uh, thank God, very few executed in recent weeks. So people should be on the alert, not just on the Omptovin. Mean, this is a constant requirement today, unfortunately. But but hello, this, oh there you hello? are. I'm yeah, sorry. But it. the statistics uh, speak for themselves, and nobody should um, you know take it for granted anymore.
0: By the way, unrelated, because obviously it's not a terror situation. At least I hope. Uh, but I'm all, I'm curious because you you always hear from communities around the world that are going through different types. of of situations they they reach out in in hopes frankly that you could be helpful to them but when it comes to australia i mean they're far away and i don't know what your relationship is with the community i know that over uh over the last few weeks there have been clashes between the uh, uh noticeably orthodox community members and the military and police in um in major cities in australia because of the effort to get to shul and have uh, have a minion have you know public davening uh, in a synagogue atmosphere. I don't know what happened on Yom Kippur, but we certainly saw some of the videos of what was going on on Rosh Hashanah. Are you hearing from that community at all? Because if there's a community, it seems, or a country uh, whose citizens have a right to protest the way things are being handled 18 months later, it's the people in Australia.
1: So I am very familiar with the situation. I have a cousin in Melbourne, and I hear regularly from him, but also from others in the community, because there have been uh, a number of incidents, one that was an engagement party that got, went viral during a lockdown and became the reason why they instituted another lockdown, which obviously stoked a lot of anti-Semitism. And then there was another picture of a wedding. And, then, you know, these things can't be kept quiet. And it, I think Australia is in the seventh lockdown uh, and they act very decisively and have kept people open for most of, most of the year, last year, uh, in lockdown situations. So the violations have become uh, really a springboard for a lot of anti Semitic stuff. Uh, now, uh, the schools are were banned from holding any kind of service, I think more than a couple people gathering. And so there were illegal um, gatherings held, and the police raided one that's the one you're referring to and it uh, led to confrontation people escaping over rooftops and all sorts of things that uh, took place so it's
0: Any idea it, what happened yesterday?
1: Uh, I I haven't heard yet about yesterday because they're 14 hours ahead uh, generally so it's I wonder uh, I, I, I wonder make if arrangements it, to talk to them.
0: I wonder yeah. if they allowed a minion in a showroom kipper. It's very possible they didn't.
1: I think they, they as far as I remember they were banning uh, gatherings um Maybe in people's homes or things like that took place, but yeah, uh, not. I don't know if it's even if it's uh, by ex- exception or they just circuit sur- uh, the um, the law.
0: So as bad as well, bad is the, you know a relative term, but as bad in quotation marks as we have it here, even for those who are not in Texas and Florida. Um, <laughs> nonetheless it could be a lot worse if we see what's going on in different parts of the world i mean you know for us uh, and again i know for certain industries this is not the case people who are restaurateurs, people who are in the travel industry obviously still have face a major challenge 18 months later but generally as a community even in new york and california and other places that have had greater crackdowns uh, we're still at least able to gather to worship and essentially basically hold our events
1: who we are. If you remember we went through it last Rosh Hashanah with people moving outdoors and right. still I know a lot of services were held outdoors uh, or in tents and other facilities and um, some shuls tried to institute distance seating. It's very hard to do, it's very hard to implement and people you know after all this time want to get together, they want to come together in the tefillah for the commu- sense of community and uh, I understand the frustration, but you know the laws in in many countries, uh, Australia as an island, they feel themselves, you know, endangered, and and their level of uh, inoculation was very low for a long time. It's now starting to catch up, and I guess that that will relieve some of the pressure. But when uh, people when there were very uh, small percentages that were inoculated, it puts the governments under pressure, and as an island, they feel particularly vulnerable.
0: Yeah, I hear that. By the way, well, while we're on the subject of COVID, have you heard anything about Yom Kippur in Israel? Has anybody uh, reported to you about I I assume they also had a lot of outdoor uh, services, I guess, if, if people were It trying. was
1: an amazing manifestation, which I learned during the night, um, that young people organized in Dizengav, Dizengav Square in Tel Aviv a massive uh, davening on the first night. Mm. Nidre. I don't have all the details, but people told me they couldn't get you couldn't get near the area. That the turnout was was huge. Um, I don't think it would meet most people's standards, but it was the uh, nonetheless. I think a very insignificant event. Uh, Israel still has restrictions in place, but as you know, they're doing the third the, the booster shot very widely, yeah. and. Um, Still so in some places have restrictions, and unfortunately the numbers still remain relatively high.
0: Now here's the rumor, and I know that you know you don't always like commenting on rumors, but the rumor is... I never do. <laughs> the rumor is that in October, once Yuntiv ends, and in Israel I remind everybody that Yuntiv will be over, the last day will be September the 28th, uh, that once Yuntiv ends for the month of October, they're going to revert back to the system... Uh, that we were told about in July, which would not require quarantine, but would require PCR tests or logical tests once you landed, all that stuff. Uh, and groups would have a, a much uh, a much more liberal policy in terms of getting in as compared to individuals who want to go to a simcha, etc. Uh, have you heard that we're going to revert to pre-summer conditions in Israel?
1: They did announce that they would allow people in. And that, uh, but it's been a very confused picture. I think people have to check because, for instance, yesterday they suspended uh, the review of any documents for people to be admitted for at least two weeks till after the Omer Tovim. They said they can't handle it, et cetera, and there's Mm -hmm. a backlog, so they're not reviewing any of the applications for people to visit uh, from abroad. Although many people or some people seem to have gotten in for Yom for Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. More, more so for Sukkot in the last couple of days, uh, because of the groups arrangement that groups would get permission. Uh, it's not consistent policy because I know people who had reservations who couldn't get in. I know the hotels that where Americans generally stay or Europeans stay are, are empty. Yeah. Uh, you know, usually they fill up with Israelis. I don't think that seems to be as true this time as it was in the past. Uh, probably Sukkot will have um, they will have much more. But the, um, uh, so it's still a confused situation.
0: Unbelievable. I mean, I think a lot of the Israelis actually spent their vacation time in those Jerusalem hotels and other hotels during the summer. And, uh, you know, maybe you're right, though, when it comes to sukkahs, they may actually uh, go back and uh, utilize the hotels to vacation. Uh, I was thinking about, when I was reading about the passing of Ida Nudel, I said to myself, boy, you must be an actual expert uh, when it comes to uh, her role and that era when it came to the Soviet jury movement, could you give us a little bit of the insight as to how this one woman had such an amazing influence on the whole Refusenik program?
1: This was a truly remarkable woman who was the angel of the of the uh, people who were the Refuseniks, who cared for them, visited them in in, in prison um, Was uh, really one of the backbones of the Soviet Jewry movement, and yet you meet her; she's a very diminutive. She was a very diminutive uh, person, Um, you know, not tall of stature, but certainly uh, strength. And she took on the Israeli government on issues as well once she was in Israel. Um, But she's been a uh, she's really a, a remarkable figure who there were books written about her and the one who spoke about her most was secretary of state George Shultz who took a personal interest and raised her name in his meetings with russian officials on numerous occasions and uh, when she got out the the exchange between them is now legendary
0: i didn't realize that she was released after Sharansky. like she was you know uh, on the uh, on the timeline she was pretty late as a you know as opposed to some of the earlier refuseniks
1: she was, yes, considerably
0: later. Yes. And um, and and they and and a couple of things. Number one, you mentioned Schultz, but I read in the article I didn't realize Jane Fonda had a role in her in her release or or at least keeping her at the forefront that people should not forget about her.
1: She was one of those who, who spoke out. For
0: her. You always need Hollywood, right? You always need a celebrity. To, we we saw that with a couple of other cases recently, as you remember. You always need a celebrity to step up. Uh, and, and keep keep somebody at the forefront. At least it helps a lot, let's put it that way. It helps a lot of somebody with that type of recognition.
1: And because they get the attention, and yeah. that's why we have, right. you know, people ask me why we send some of these figures to Israel is because they talk to the young people. They can reach them and are seen as credible for reasons, I'm not sure, but they have, yeah. um, and sports figures also yeah. uh, are revered by, especially by young people. And when they come and say them, say to them um, that, you know, talk to them about Israel and tell the truth about Israel, it has a a very profound impact. So that's why I hope we'll be able to get back to being able to send people and have them come back and talk about the reality of Israel. I think Israel, the truth is Israel's strongest weapon when we're opposing all of the lies that are just incredible.
0: Hello? You there? Yep. There we are. Um, Two more things on this, uh, and then we'll move on. First of all, uh, in the New York Times article I read, it cites the um, effect that the Six-Day War had on her and others. And it's always the demarcation. It's always the historical episode that everyone points to uh, when it comes to uh, giving everybody in Russia at the time, behind the Iron Curtain, some type of longing or extra longing uh, for the Holy Land. So I think that's important to, uh, to point that, and I'm sure you heard that from God knows how many refuseniks who you met in the aftermath of their release, that the Six-Day War was so significant.
1: Everyone, if you read her book, um, I think it was called A Hand in the Darkness, and I'm pretty sure that Where they talk about it, and and Sharansky, others, all were motivated by the Six Day War. It was a watershed for them. It gave them courage and the and the inspiration. Because remember, as much as we did, and we people devoted their lives to the cause of Soviet Jewry outside, it was Russian Jews who put their lives on the line, and who they planned the hijacking. Remember, in nineteen seventy, it was more as a dramatic for the dramatic impact. to, to get people to, to pay attention to the plight, which um, uh, and and the fact that they the Russians, you know, were then the Soviets were uh, produ- producing and and publicizing. All sorts of negative reports about Israel, but in every report they would talk about Israel's activities and military and others. And the Russian Jews would say, "Look what Israel has! It's a modern state. It has all the things the Russians were trying to use for negative propaganda against Israel." Actually, they were able to see through the the, to see the importance and the development of Israel and against the you know Israel was always portrayed as mosquito-ridden to try to deter people from going and you know as a downtrodden state. And yet they show them winning the war, you know, fighting this war etc uh, had a really profound impact they
0: were the ultimate fake news the Russians <laughs> they, they may That's still right. they may still be by the way the other point is that I mean I'm sure you meet um, uh, the the Soviet refuss once they get to Israel or the United States and they're you know they're underplaying uh, and and very modest about their role in the whole movement I mean obviously that you know m- most heroes behave that way and they don't see you know the great sacrifice the way you just described it uh, but in addition to that are they aware And I might know the answer to this, but I think it's so important to tell the younger generation. Are they aware of the work that was done behind the scenes and in front of the scenes on the streets of New York and other places, Washington, etc., to keep their plight at the forefront?
1: Absolutely not. Uh, I speak to audiences, young Russian Jews, young um, American Jews, and others. They have no idea. They don't know who Sharansky is. They won't know who Eli Nudel is. Uh, and you know the story of how she she hung a sign out her window. I remember that said KGB. Let me go to Israel, <laughs> and she got four years in prison for oh, that. Oh my gosh! And uh, you know she didn't get out. I think she came out in 1986 or 1987. 87. yeah, so, after church, know, yeah. that was pretty late. And she yeah. she started already in 1970 with the group, and she was so courageous in the way she. Uh, you know, fought for the for the prisoners publicly and challenged the, the authorities.
0: Pretty amazing.
1: Years old, when she died.
0: Pretty amazing. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and AlchomSingle.com and the Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. What could you tell us about North Korea? Apparently, a few days ago, they uh, they sent a military message to the world.
1: They did, and a serious message it is, and people have to take all of this, uh, you know, the, the uh, developments that we see in the region seriously because uh, North Korea is a provocative state. Uh, South Korea also launched a missile in, in response, and that shows an escalating situation. Uh, as you see, the United States and others are much more active in, uh, in Asia and, and the waters off Asia targeting China particularly but also concerned about the uh, about North Korea's activities i certainly the japanese are apoplectic about uh, north korea south korea obviously and uh, this was a very demonstrative act the concern about the whole um, region has led to this creation of a of a of the quad with australia india uh, japan united states to to counter uh, both china and its its ally north korea um, you know, it's not an area we generally focus on attention, but it's, it has a lot of implications for the Middle East and for other areas. As you know, Iran and North Korea have a sort of synergistic relationship in the development of the missiles, which are Nordung missiles from which Iran built their uh, missiles. And both scientists from both countries are there when they have launches, so the nuclear program and the missile programs are related. Uh, something that uh, I spoke to the Japanese Prime Minister about, and others, to get them to understand that this is not a localized uh, event. So the the um, there was also pictures that I just came out. Again, I haven't authenticated it, but the report came during the night of uh, of a uh, satellite photos of them launching from a train a missile from a train where the roof slides open and the missile was launched. This is, again, you know, makes it much more difficult than to strike locations if you're mobile, and uh, it shows that their technology is improving all the time. This is um, obviously of great concern, should be of concern to everyone.
0: What do you think of the revelation that a member of the Trump administration uh, made sure to convey a message to the leadership in China, that if the president at that time would take military action, they'd make sure to inform them in advance? Well,
1: I'm sure it'll be the subject of a lot of investigations, uh, rightfully so. I mean, whether this is, uh, you know, it's been called everything from sabotage to subordination. Um, I don't know, you know, enough of the details yet to, to know how you categorize it. But if true, it certainly would be a, quite a remarkable event. And, and so, out of character for the military, which uh, sees its role differently, uh, I think. We're going to hear a lot more about it.
0: And I know that it's hard to do this on one foot, as the expression goes, but, it, I mean, China and North Korea are allies because...
1: Common enemies, because they are neighbors, because, you know, China's actually apoplectic about North Korea. Their fear is that unrest there or a solution to government, something will cause millions more of North Koreans to come into China. They already have a large population of North Koreans who have crossed the border. So for them, the stability of North Korea is very critical, and they maybe they enable them to be a um, a buffer against the South Korea, which is seen as an American presence and a strong military presence. And there are a lot of issues that uh, that you know connect them in in the strategic area.
0: And they're happy when the U.S. is tough on North Korea or not?
1: Um, probably, probably mixed feelings. I would I would assume, but. Uh, no, they th- uh, they have a big investment, in and they want to see North Korea strong. But America has not been tough on North Korea. If you if you look at it in a larger scope, I think that they've allowed them to, to get away with much too much and that um, we have to be tough because, you know, this is a, an irresponsible regime. It's a dictatorial, totalitarian regime which has oppressed its own people, let alone threatened and, and blatantly threatened. Uh, south korea and japan and the region Uh, whether their their weapons are really for defensive purposes i don't know why they need then uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles for the defense of the country
0: yeah i hear that uh is the uh, gilboa prison break story over and uh, if it is are there going to be repercussions from that episode down the line
1: there will be repercussions for a long time. It's it's not over at all, and it's going to be a political issue. It'll be a you know a share the blame uh, contest about uh, blaming previous administrations, this administration. How is it possible that that everybody was asleep? You know, there's either a confluence of of errors and um, circumstances that were really remarkable. Yeah, uh, you know, when
0: I asked if it's over, meaning meaning they've all been apprehended, right? At I have not point. seen that
1: the last two were. Uh, oh,
0: that didn't, they were not. I didn't realize that. Okay. I didn't realize that.
1: And they were, they, as a Arab if they weren't. Oh, and um, uh, so the, that, that issue is certainly not over, but I thought you meant the ramifications yeah. for the country, which is something many Israelis are asking. Uh, you know, the potential danger of this is, was immense, it, but... You know, Israeli Arabs and Palestinians, and Janine refused to give these guys food and water and eventually turned some of them in, gave the information as to how to track them. Uh, they they um, There were reports that the two of them had gone to Jordan. We don't know that that's true. But uh, there are a lot of efforts. Obviously, it's an all-out search to, to find them because they can. They're going to try to cross to Gaza. They might have. There was a report of a guy crossing into Lebanon. So Israel actually crossed the border into Lebanon and they shot flares and they were uh, in searching for for them, but did not find any anybody.
0: Yeah, two are still on the lamb, as they say. I didn't realize that, and uh, must be frightening for people two on to- the camel. I think. <laughs> nice uh activity on both of Israel Israel has more than two borders but two borders that I have in mind uh so people don't realize and uh, unless you're following the news really closely that along the Gaza border there are these um uh, balloons the fiery uh incendiary items still coming over uh plus there's activity where uh, Israel feels a need to respond both to that and to missiles that are being fired have the last few days been quiet on the Gaza border or not
1: no, the situation there is very escalated. Uh, there had been thought that there would be uh, much more additional action from the, uh, along the Gaza border. Israel has uh, reinforced the presence there. The, they fight uh, on the numerous um, battles. One is these balloons, which people don't take seriously. that They cause immense damage. Uh, they set fires. They land in schools. They, 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 some of them have IEDs. improvised the devices, you know, explosive devices. Mm -hmm. So they are a serious matter. Number two, you have riots along the border, and sometimes live fire. And as you know, one guard was killed. Um, And 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 the escalation of of the violence, which is used by by Hamas uh, to, regardless of the interests of the people. Uh, Now that they're getting money from Qatar, the money from Qatar is being funneled to poor families through various uh, institutions, including money changers and others, where they get, I think, $100 a month, but it's about 100,000 people who who qualified Israel, removed several thousand. The PA refused to cooperate, and it was supposed to go through the Palestinian Monetary Authority, but they're not cooperating because they don't want the Qatari money, and they don't want Hamas to have them. The influx of this funds, but the money for the Hamas uh, officials and stuff is not being paid right now. So you have uh, the Palestinians reneging on the deal that the Egyptians, the UN, Qatar, and others arranged, um, and so they had to quickly find alternative uh, means in order to keep these people from starving. People, nobody wants to see that happen. But it's not a solution, it's only a um, temporary measure stopgap measure um the US is pressuring the, the PA to stop the international criminal court the cases um, but the um and other acts of provocative acts there has been some communication between the PA and Israel and talks Egypt is is working very hard to try and get talks they hosted uh, uh, Prime Minister Bennett, and, um, you know, cooperation between Egypt and Israel is very important. Even if the people don't yet buy into it, the uh, agreements are, are expanding. We see Egyptian air is now going to fly officially. Uh, till now, you had a subsidiary that flew without marked planes, but now you're going to have regularly scheduled flights between Cairo and Tel Aviv. Uh, so there are, and then expanded cooperation in other areas, um, but the situation in Gaza is a threat to Egypt as well. And course, Israel and Egypt breaking ties, and, and and in regard to Gaza, but it's a it's a very tense situation.
0: And on the northern border, I'm trying to understand this New York Times piece. What is Hezbollah doing in terms of importing oil uh, to the north into Lebanon? They're trying to save the Lebanese economy. What's going on there?
1: Yes, so. Lebanon's economy is in total ruins. Its currency is almost worthless. The government has been unstable. They haven't been able to put together a government. Now they are trying to. Hezbollah is seen as the responsible party. So dozens of trucks carrying fuel from Iran... Uh, which was arranged by uh, Hezbollah, they came through one of the illegal crossings in the eastern region of um, Hermel. They were greeted by Hezbollah waving flags and women throwing rose petals and men firing guns, as they do. Uh, and, and Nasrallah had, said, had promised that he would bring the fuel, and this is in violation of the sanctions uh, agreement. Uh, Lebanon has defaulted on its debts last year and can't afford to import. A, a lot of the goods uh, and therefore they don't have um, fuel for vehicles and uh, power for generator, to power generators, etc. So the Iranian ships came to the port of Banyas earlier week and they outloaded the uh, fuel and it was trucked uh, secretly to uh, Lebanon. I think altogether they said there were 80 trucks with more than a million gallons of, uh, of fuel. It's seen as humanitarian gesture yeah, and, but <laughs> and fulfilling it.
0: It's, it's basically a strategy to show who's in charge, basically.
1: <laughs> well, that too, that, you know, Hezbollah is under fire, and the, um, by the way, Hamas now has established itself in southern Lebanon as well, which could be a challenge to, to come to Hezbollah because they may want to escalate from the north when Hezbollah doesn't. Hezbollah doesn't want to draw the fire, uh, an all-out response by, um, by Israel to these provocations. Um, this is only, by the way, going to fill uh, a small part of the demand. You know, motorists in, in Lebanon can uh, um, spend days in, in line to get uh, some fuel. So this, oh. is, um, this is maybe another Hezbollah fundraising effort.
0: Yeah, a stopgap measure, I guess we'd call it. But boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of us who are lucky enough to have access to fuel and other basic necessities, because you know it, you, you know how many Americans now are complaining, rightfully so, about shortages of certain items and the stopping of production of certain items. Uh, but imagine that you know on steroids, and you can get an idea of the type of weights that people in Lebanon have for fuel and other resources. Um, by the way, are there any countries that, assuming the conference is still on, you'll tell me, are there any countries who you'd like to see boycott the Durban? anniversary a conference in new york that have not yet boycotted uh...
1: yes we are working very hard to get many more countries to to boycott there were three or four more that joined last week um, but not enough of them uh, some of them under pressure for instance from south africa or others to to get them to attend ah. uh, the durban conference should be should not be celebrated and commemorated in this way it was a, a seething base of antisemitism, and and some governments were courageous enough to say that they weren't going because of that, because they know what what's happened there in the past and what's likely to happen in the future. Um, so we're hoping that many more will will not go. Some are saying we will send low level delegations, like no prime ministers or anything will attend. But the U.S. and many other countries have announced that they, you know, that they will boycott it, which is very important.
0: Uh, and finally, I mean, while we're on the subject of what's going on in New York, I didn't even realize uh, that uh, that the UN is is <laughs> is in full swing this week, or maybe it's not in full swing because we're still in the COVID situation. Normally, this time of year, we pay careful attention to the prime minister being invited, speaking, etc. Is Israel? I, I know it's always the focus of the UN. I get that, but is Israel going to be uh, playing at all a part in the uh, in the annual UN
1: meeting? So this year, it's going to be hybrid. The United States tried to dissuade people from coming, although President Biden is coming himself to speak because it's the first time. Uh, Prime Minister Bennett will be coming because it will be his first time. He'll be speaking, I think, on the 27th. Oh, he will which be speaking. He means he'll be staying over Yontif uh, the last days, uh, as I recall. He and, speaks in Wow. And, um, um, well, he couldn't come the earlier days because it also required him to be out of the country very long. Uh, and he has to be careful. He remains in a bubble, so he doesn't have to quarantine when he goes back for a week. Um, the the um, uh, very few of the major heads of state so far have indicated that they're coming. We have meetings next week with about fifteen heads of state already scheduled, over, and we were very curtailed because of Yantiv about the amount of time. So we're actually starting on Sunday with a series of meetings uh, Monday and then um, Thursday and uh, then Friday. Uh, and the following week, some more. Yeah, there have but been the, some bad but calendar. But it's a very curtailed uh, UN session, so uh, I'm sure we're going to have the roadblocks because the president comes, the city freezes. Right. Uh, but it's on a Yontif, so it's okay.
0: The um, I mean, normally normally it's a bad schedule, Yontif-wise. But Terrible. This, but, yeah. this, but this year's awful. I mean, it really <laughs> interferes with all your efforts. All your efforts, Malcolm, for diplomacy and making sure that people have Israel in the proper light. It's going to take ex- well,
1: we'll, we'll make up for it. Actually, a number of countries that reach out and, and quite a few and are organizing meetings. Um, but as I said, I don't think a lot of the heads of state right. have yet indicated what they're what they're planning to do. They, they have reserved slots, and you see many of them are not in person. But the, um, I know that uh, Lavrov is coming, the foreign minister of Russia, I'm meeting with him. Uh, but I don't think Putin is coming.
0: All right. Uh, well, I wish you a Gmartov. I wish you a, a wonderful Shabbos and a great Sukkis. And please God, we will speak two weeks from today.
1: Amir Tashem and everybody should have a wonderful chag and celebrate and appreciate being outdoors. It's the uh, COVID-compliance. So. <laughs> you know, that was all, that's all planned, as, as they know. Of course. Part of the plot. That's why, the, <laughs> Can be
0: that's, well. that's why COVID started a half a year before that. Make sure yeah. we, we had everything we needed when it came to the fall yunt of season. Uh, Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations Fridays. a.m. Eastern time here at JM in the a.m.